0: Public cloud? Private cloud? What's the difference? Wouldn't blame you if you (laughs) have your head in the clouds over that one. Well, today on the podcast, Sean Martin of CSI will explain why it matters and take us deep into the heart of cybersecurity in 2021. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Bankadelic coming to you from Chicago, part of the NMD Plus podcast family based in London, England. And today on the podcast from the San Antonio area, we have Sean Martin. Sean serves as a product manager for CSI Managed Services and has extensive knowledge on implementing effective system security and network management practices. He speaks in writes frequently on security-related and cloud computing topics that affect the financial services industry. He also holds Cisco CCNA and CCIE written certifications. Sean, welcome to Bankedelic.
1: So happy to be here, Lou. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, public cloud versus private cloud, I've got to confess, I don't know the difference. Can you help explain what that difference is and why it matters?
1: Absolutely, so this is a great question and I think really important to kind of understand at a fundamental level. First of all, private cloud, the best way to really think about that is in a private cloud, organizations, when they have their systems hosted, the underlying hardware will generally be dedicated to just that one organization. So in other words, we're not sharing hardware between organizations as opposed to public cloud, where you have a large infrastructure and hardware that is going to be shared by multiple organizations. And so what happens is the public cloud provider will then put in virtual segregation between the organizations. So you don't have one organization that's able to access the data or systems of another organization, but it's all done virtually. The third thing to think about are what we think of as software as a service applications. A common one to think about is something like an Office 365 or another email hosting provider. Basically, you're just using one software application which is hosted in a cloud network when you're thinking about risks especially it's important to know where you are where your infrastructure is and if you do have any kind of cloud presence and so you might be
0: surprised to think about well you do have a cloud presence in the form of a software application you're using i'd be interested to know if you think one is patently more secure than the other and if so why
1: so usually when we think about cybersecurity risks to organizations. What we're mostly focused on is kind of risks related to hosts and data, as opposed to the underlying hardware infrastructure. So in general, the large risks to organizations are not necessarily going to be related to whether the servers or the data are on-premise, if they're in a public cloud or in a private cloud, certainly there are going to be some differences. But in terms of overall security, one of the largest challenges that we've seen related to any kind of cloud hosting are a lot of times related more to configuration errors as opposed to just some inherent risk that's there. When we talk to customers and organizations around the public cloud versus private cloud. One of the thought processes that we see happen frequently is on the private side. Well, if I've got hardware that's really dedicated to me, that's likely going to be more secure. And that's where we see, you know, like government institutions and folks like that use it. But on the public side, whenever you're thinking about shared infrastructure, one of the things that happens is that we see organizations are able to take advantage of systems that they may not have been otherwise able to. So for example, you may have a very robust security system that is hard for an organization to afford on their own, but if they're moving their systems into a public cloud, they're really just renting out a piece of that. So they're able to take advantage of security systems and software that they may not have been otherwise able to do on their own.
0: That's fascinating because it sounds like there are variables within the choice that are going to make a huge difference in terms of security now speaking of which and i want to stress this to the audience what sean and i are talking about is by no means abstract or theoretical because these types of things are of immediate concern headline concern and that would include the caseya remote management software ransomware incident. Maybe you can elucidate for the audience what you see going on there and why that should be a big time alarm bell for the financial services industry.
1: Yeah, certainly when we talk about you know cybersecurity in general and we think about the trends that we're seeing, regardless if it's a cloud hosted system or on premise, you know, one of the large attack vectors that we've seen a surge in is definitely related to ransomware. And I think that there are a couple of drivers related to that. One is the ransomware providers, I think, have really matured their software. They're now able to write software easily that is targeting specific organizations. They are able to compromise data and hold it hostage in a way that allows them to reverse that and give that data back. If you think about it from a business perspective... The ransomware folks, the hackers are providing a product and the product that they are providing is data that the organization already owns, but they need to write their software in a way that allows them to get back that data in the same way that it was, right? So the software has matured. The other big driver there is going to be related to anonymous payment systems, you know, Bitcoin and others that allow them to monetize these attacks in a way that we've really not seen before. So a couple of drivers there and getting back to your original question around Kaseya, you know, this is an example of another huge risk that we've seen a couple of times here over the last few months, what we call supply side attacks. So as a hacker, if I'm able to hack into Kaseya, you know, a few months ago, we saw this with SolarWinds and there have been others that if I can attack that software, which is prevalent within a lot of organizations, I'm now able to amplify my attack against a large number of corporations. And that's really kind of the scary part about this. So ransomware, certainly not new, but we've definitely seen that huge surge related to some of those ransomware attacks.
0: Now, help me to understand where CSI comes into a process or a paradigm like this, what is it that you guys are trying to achieve that you think is really making a difference here? So one of the largest risks that we see
1: related to the cloud movement as the pandemic started, we saw a lot of organizations really accelerate their plans to get into the cloud. In really some of the early days of where we saw things really go bad, were not necessarily related to kind of new technical risks associated with being in the cloud. It was really more related to configuration errors. There are numerous examples of large organizations that moved into the cloud and they just didn't you know take the right steps to secure their systems and their data. they became available. and some of these larger hacks were not really related to hackers doing really technical attacks It's really more that they were just open and the hackers found them and they're able to just access the data. So really understanding the controls that need to be in place to really secure your environment and then take advantage of all of the benefits that come with being in the cloud, that's really what CSI wants to do. Second piece of that, related to regulatory. So the good news is from a regulatory perspective, you can certainly take advantage of cloud environments, whether they're public or private, but there are some things that you have to do. So you need to make sure you have the right to monitoring, you have the right type of alerting, the right type of reporting and so on. And so that's really what CSI is providing is kind of a secure bubble, if you will, of protection around your cloud environment, it's going to allow you to
0: be low risk and yet take advantage of all of the benefits that the cloud environment can bring to your organization. Fabulous. And let's assume for a second, actually more than assume, right? Because I could just picture someone coming to you and saying, Sean, I get it. This makes total sense. I'm with you, but I don't know where to start or how. What would you tell them? First and foremost, you need to understand
1: the security risks. We've talked a lot today about a lot of those security risks, right? But you need to really make sure you understand the security controls that are in place, that as you move your systems and data into the cloud, what are those security controls? How are they tested? You know, backups are not necessarily always thought of as a security control, but moving into the cloud, make sure that you know how your data is backed up, how it can be restored. It can certainly protect you from a lot of these types of attacks. Also mention some of the regulatory concerns there. So make sure you know what you're going to be expected and required to do from a regulatory perspective. Now, the other thing to really think about whenever you're trying to navigate the cloud and how to get in there effectively for your organization is really on the financial side. So you really have to consider your costs associated with a local data center, for example, if you really want to build out you know, redundant internet, redundant heating and cooling, and so on, you know, all of your access controls, versus being in the cloud where all of that is just going to be native to the cloud environment. In terms of timing, a lot of organizations will look at their depreciation schedules, you know, so if you've just made an investment in a server and infrastructure that's going to be on the books for the next 3 or 5 years or longer, may not be the best time to move that system. But the good news is when you think about cloud, you don't have to move all of it in at once. So it's not like you're going to go through this large planning session and then you're just going to take all of it, and move it into the cloud overnight. Really, you're going to phase it in. So as a system becomes appreciated, it's not on the books, you know, you're going to have to make an investment to replace that server, for example. That's a great time to look at a potential cloud move there. And you can certainly operate in a hybrid environment. When I talk to folks about the cloud and really try to articulate where we are Think about where we were with Office 365 maybe a couple of years ago. There was a time when it was new, a lot of organizations or most organizations had their email all on premise and that was kind of the standard. We had a few organizations that started to look into the cloud, you know, a few were doing some testing. Fast forward a couple of years and now Office 365 or other email platforms that are cloud hosted, that's the standard most organizations are not hosting email internally. It's just understood that you're going to have email as you get new users, you're going to allocate licenses and so on. It's really you know, just become the standard. I think where we are on the cloud side for server hosting and even desktop hosting, we're right at that precipice again. From an industry perspective, you're going to see organizations start to move into the cloud. As an organization has a new system that they want to operate, they're just going to spin up a new server in the cloud Whether that's private or public to them, depending on their business goals and their risk posture and so on, they'll make that decision. But I think more and more, you'll start to see the data center migrate to the cloud. You'll have less and less of a hardware footprint within data centers on premise for a lot of these organizations.
0: Wow, a lot of moving pieces there. And if you'll pardon the expression, (laughs) you got my head out of the clouds by explaining how companies get into the clouds. So definitely appreciative. Sean, thank you so much for being on Bankadelic today. Thanks again, Lou, it's been fantastic. Sean Martin is a product manager for CSI Managed Services. He is based in the San Antonio area. You can look for
2: Sean on LinkedIn. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, The Colorful Side of Finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery.
0: Bankadelic. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? BankerHire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. BankerHire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q U O N. Ticbank.com. Okay, this just in to the bankadelic department of we'll take almost anyone for a sponsor. The, the note here says, and I'll try to as best as I can to read it. Dear Mr. Caloza, we's here, executives at Fraud Bank, tried to contact you several times about becoming a sponsor for the podcast, and you have failed to reply. Well, we strongly urge you to consider our request, or else, signed, Johnny Knuckles, CEO, Founder, President, and Godfather at Fraud Bank. Hmm. Well, we did run that ad a few weeks back as an example of a sponsor we don't really want, but I guess it's time to run that ad again so that we keep Mr. Knuckles happy enough to stay safe, whether it's from a cybersecurity threat or something else.
2: Uh, here at Fraud Bank, we boast the only team in the entire financial services industry capable of protecting your money because we're ex-fraudsters. That's right, we're all malfeasance, miscreants, con artists, sociopaths, you name it, with an entire record of experience almost as long as the three life sentences Benny the Bull got for that job he did in Joliet. Listen to me, you got somebody you're coming after your money, well, we've got an entire incredibly sophisticated anti-fraud system which consists of brass knuckles, kicks to the knee, all sorts of batting around the head with whatever it is that we have on hand. You name it, we've got it. So at the end of the day, remember this, you wanna keep your money safe? Put it in the hands of people you would never normally trust. That's us, Bank capiche? And now, Bankadelica presents Three Three Bullseyes.
1: Number one. If I can attack that software, which is prevalent within a lot of organizations, I'm now able to amplify my attack against a large number of corporations. And that's really kind of the scary part about this. Number
0: Number two. two.
1: There are numerous examples of large organizations that moved into the cloud and they just didn't, you know, take the right steps to secure their systems and their data. They were just open and the hackers found them and they're able to just access the data.
0: Number Number three
1: may have a very robust security system that is hard for an organization to afford on their own. But if they're moving their systems into a public cloud, they're really just renting out a piece of that so they're able to take advantage of security systems and software that they may not have been otherwise able to do on their own.
0: And now lose views. What do 40 million breached debit and credit cards? have in common with a heating ventilation and air conditioning business well if you think back to 2013 it was that business doing work at several target stores that allowed information to be compromised the information was taken by hackers and used to access and steal all of that customer financial data at the time it was one of the biggest data breaches in the history of business but it's not as if hackers have stopped there As Sean Martin mentioned on today's podcast, there have been a number of high-profile incidents just recently, one involving Kaseya and another involving SolarWinds, and the one that affected the Colonial Pipeline on the East Coast. The bad news is that thieves will continue to be ever-resourceful, always making efforts to improve their malware, their ransomware, and get at information that should be Loctite Secure. Why isn't it secure? The future of information that fintechs and financial institutions want to protect for their most coveted customers depends on it. And being able to say to those customers, your data is secure and your financial information is safe is perhaps the biggest value proposition that any institution can offer and it will help everyone sleep better at night knowing that the things customers prize to run their financial lives are kept safe from prying hands and sit in the right hands. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to BankerHire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carloso. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the Civil War reenactment as Abraham Lincoln. Until next
2: time, so long.
1: Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.